where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. This morning we are wrapping up our Hard Choices sermon series, which depending upon how you want to look at it, it was very well-timed, since many of us are dealing with some hard choices right now, or uh, it's probably not a good time to finish, we should keep going, but we are going to wrap it up. Um, and before getting into today's story, it might be helpful to look back a little bit and to remember where we've been and and who our teachers have been uh, as ancestors in faith through scripture. We began with, uh, and I'm not necessarily gonna take them in order, but we began with um, a rich person who wanted to inherit eternal life and was asking Jesus how to do that. How do I inherit eternal life? And what it came down to was Jesus said, you have to go and sell everything that you own and give it to the poor. And the hard choice that this person and that we all bump up against is, you know, what are the limits of what we're willing to do? Like we're willing to do that to a point, but really how much are we willing to invest in servanthood and in the livelihood of others? And then there was Herod, uh, and the death of John the Baptist. And in, it was an in-the-moment decision that upon further reflection probably should have changed but didn't. Herod followed through with a promise that he would give to, I think it was his daughter, was it his daughter? To his daughter, one of his daughters, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so the hard choice for us is, do we follow through or do we revisit decisions that might not have been great in the moment? And there was Ruth uh, from the book of Ruth, a story of family and the challenges of necessary migration and mixed marriages. And the hard choice of going from one homeland to another and the hard distinction of what really is our homeland, I think, is another element. Jonah was also one of our teachers. In the book of Jonah, we learn that the grace and goodness of God in go to Nineveh invites us to look at what we hold on to that's not life-giving. So what was it that Jonah was holding on to in that moment, among other things? but that God's message is changing lives in unexpected places and people, the people of Nineveh, the folks on the boat, uh, were more faithful than Jonah was. And ultimately the choice was, will you let it go, Jonah? Another way of putting that is, do you need God to be on your side or are you willing to be on God's side? And this morning we have the story of Ananias. Ananias in the book of Acts is asked to go to a place and a person, and it doesn't seem like a good idea. 
Sometimes discipleship is about continuing to follow. The journey of discipleship is ongoing. And our interdependence is very real. So let's listen to Luke's version of the story in the book of Acts. Chapter 9, starting at verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer. In other words, how many hard choices he must make for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. And he did lay his hands on Saul and scales fell from his eyes and Saul regained his sight. What strikes me about this story this morning is Again, we have an ancestor in faith who heard God call, recognized God's voice. We have another who along the way, along a very destructive path was surrounded by light. This is the story of Saul's conversion, surrounded by light and became unable to see. And this man was praying and in his prayer, he saw a vision so this insight became clear to him. Now, as we're living through this time of a, what might feel like a quasi-monastic life, a life of necessary solitude for so, so many, I'm wondering how many are hearing God's call or in prayer seeing a vision. And when I talk about solitude, I mean the sense of being removed from typical social connections. It's not the typical vows of monastic life that you may be familiar with or thinking about, but it's the sense of being removed from typical social connections, which we are all experiencing. Even those who are working to offer care and clarity and guidance are interacting differently. And it's important to remember that solitude is about solidarity. Solidarity is a virtue that sees people embedded in the webs of mutual obligation for the common good. Seeing people embedded in webs of mutual obligation for the common good. So how is this time of necessary solitude leading you to new awarenesses or new sensitivities or new understandings or connections? Is solidarity giving you a glimpse into what it's like to be confined, to be under house arrest, 
or to have limited mobility all times, not just now? Is solidarity giving you a glimpse into what it's like to need help, maybe for the first time ever, or for the first time as an adult, or having to put a personal need or desire to help on hold? Because in the end, it's not helpful right now. How about a glimpse into what it's like to have employment be uncertain? or the luxury of portability, or the solidarity of vulnerability, and the hard look at mortality and its possibility. Take a moment. Take a moment to consider what the new awarenesses and sensitivities are that you're noticing right now. Take a moment to identify where solidarity is finding you. This reminds me of the first time that I lived alone. The very first time, no roommate, my own place. Everything was my responsibility. If there was something on the floor, it's because I left it there. If there were crumbs on the table, they were my crumbs. I had to deal with the reality of my stuff and my mess. I had to learn to live with silences and sounds. The silences were a little more comfortable. The sounds of self-criticism and of all the things that went through my head, not so much. And in paying attention to those silences and sounds, I was invited at every turn to make decisions that led to more love and more freedom on the inside and the outside to make what is inside congruent with what is outside. So the inner world reflects the outer reality and they are somehow in balance. Meaning inner actions, inner commitments were being played out. It was as if God was reaching out to the far reaches of where I had been scattered and stranded and brought me to a place of home that I never knew to a home that's not a physical place, but an inner space of peace and grace and freedom. I think God is inviting us to this home as we live through this time. And some of you are doing this alone in a space where you're the only one there. Some of us are doing this with others both are challenging. Our invitation is to consider how this can lead us to greater places of inner space for peace and grace and freedom. In a world and time where we're constantly reminded of all that is impermanent and changing, God is constantly and consistently inviting us to see the gift of what truly is lasting of what really matters, to see what really matters and to choose it. Even if, and maybe especially if, the choice is hard. Let's remember some of the lessons from this series 
and see how that might be coming into play for you now and in the days to come. So again, back to the rich person who was being asked to choose to invest in being of service. And right now, for most people, the best way to be of service is to just stay home or to leave your house for walking or cycling with six feet of unnatural distance between you and everybody else. And then Herod, again, Herod made this promise at the middle or end of a party, at some point in a party. Maybe it's time for us to revisit promises and commitments. Let's choose to be honest about mistakes of judgment or changes in circumstances. In committed relationships, we choose and re-choose and choose again to stay in that relationship or to change that relationship. It's normal. This is not about guilt or shame or saving face as Herod chose. It's about dignity, your own and others, about being honest in the moment, and again, about having that continuity between what you value inside and what you do outside. Jonah. The story of Jonah asks us to choose to let go of God as a possession. No world religion owns God. No person owns God. It's not about God being on our side. It's about choosing to be on God's side. And God's side gets bigger each and every day. God holds us all each and every one. And then there's Ruth. With the hard decision of choosing to commit and align beyond artificial boundaries and distinctions. We are one world, one human species. Remember that the notion of foreign is not real. Unfamiliar maybe, but not foreign. And this morning, Ananias. Even the faithful are called to places they don't want to go. Ananias was worried about his safety. Perhaps even about his mortality in the presence of one who was known to be threatening to people of the way, to people who followed Jesus or spoke in the name of Jesus. We have to choose to do it anyway. God used Ananias to be a blessing and used Saul to demonstrate the power of God to change hearts and minds. It was Ananias that Saul saw in the vision. Ananias was the one who had to go and let his life be a blessing to one he feared. Remembering that we are embedded in webs of social obligation. Each action or inaction affects the whole. Each person has a part in the unfolding story. The story is not all written. It is still unfolding. We're not just here to flatten the curve. 
We're here to expand the circle of God's love and grace, of God's compassion and care. This message has never been clearer as we live through this pandemic. And we're asked to tuck ourselves into our places of residence, to change our behaviors, to consider the greater need and the greater good. Now more than ever, that is what we need to be about. I wanna end with words from John Philip Newell. His prayer for the life of the world expresses this far better than I could. To the home of peace, to the field of love, to the land where forgiveness and right relationship meet, we look, O oh God, with longing for Earth's children, with compassion for the creatures, with hearts breaking for the nations and people we love. Open us to visions we have never known. Strengthen us for self-givings we have never made. Delight us with a oneness we could never have imagined. Take our hand, O oh God, and lead us home.